You're listening to the Central Baptist Church Victoria podcast. This series explores how Jesus' vision for our lives creates a people and a place we want to be a part of. And now, here's today's message. Scripture reading this morning is taken from 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Please turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians or fo- follow along in your sermon notes or on the words on the screen. Please stand for the reading of God's word. 1 Corinthians 12, verses 4 to 11. There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it's the same God who does the work in all of us. A spiritual gift is given to each one of us so that we can help each other. To one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To another, the same Spirit gives the message of special knowledge. The same Spirit gives great faith to another, and to someone else, the one Spirit gives the gift of healing. He gives one person the power to perform miracles, and another the ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the Spirit of God or from another spirit. Still another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages, while another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. It is the one and only Spirit who distributes all these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Hey, good morning. If if you have just parachuted in here this morning, we are in the midst of a series where we are looking at some of the key pieces to our spiritual identity as well as some of the ways that we express this identity in order to become the kind of place where we experience more and more of Jesus and his vision for our life. And so two weeks ago, I told you that just as Jesus came not to be served but to serve, we are called similarly to do likewise. In fact, the call to be a servant is etched on you by God, so much so that your experience of greatness in life, and by that I mean that feeling that you have, that your life matters, and and what you do with it is worthwhile, is directly proportional to how much you emulate Jesus and serve in his name. And that's true of every disciple. That's not just words for a chosen disciple few. For everybody has a part to play. And so the church is not just a few uber gifted people doing the important stuff while the rest of us are in the bleachers watching and cheering them on. Christianity is in fact the worst, most boring spectator sport there is. Other than NASCAR or maybe cricket, but I, I uh, don't hold me to that about cricket. But the point I'm trying to get, is that, get at is that Jesus' uh, kingdom is not for us to watch from the sidelines. And those who do that, those who watch from the sidelines and never get into the game, so to speak, know none of the joy and the spiritual adrenaline that comes from God using ordinary you in the history-making, world-changing story of life and transformation that he is writing. 
And so we are each of us called out of the bleachers and into the game, onto the playing field. Which brings me today to a very simple but game-changing truth I want each of us to lean into. It's one of those truths that, that when a church gets it, we see all kinds of Jesus stuff happen. A truth that when a church gets it, the power and life of God is unleashed in a community of ordinary folks like us. And, and, and let me give you full disclosure, I want that. Like, I, I want 20 years from now, when I'm meeting with John Hodgson or, or Corey and I are going out for coffee at a senior's discounted restaurant, <laughs> um, we'll still tear up in amazement as we marvel and reminisce about what God did at Central and we got to be a part of it. That's why I'm here. That's why I left a life I loved and a place I loved to come here is because I believe that we are on the precipice of God doing some big things at Central. And I want to be a part of it. And if we're going to be a part of it, we need to embrace this game-changing truth that when embraced by faith, it unleashes the power of God in the people of God. And the truth is this, because serving is essential to our God-giving identity. Every single Jesus follower has been gifted to serve. Now, if you're like, that's it? Like, that's the big, if you're thinking that should be followed by a wah, wah, wah. You are missing the incredible fullness that is latent in those words that I just put. Because when I say that you are gifted to serve, I mean you are gifted to serve similar to how Jesus was gifted to serve. That is through the presence and the power of the Spirit of God. Now, I don't know if you know this, but Jesus' complete and perfect humanity required him to empty his godness. That's, a few, that's Philippians 2. We talked about that a few weeks ago. He laid aside his omnipotence, his omnipresence, his invulnerability had to be laid aside so that the eternal second person of the Trinity could be born Jesus Christ, God in the flesh. And because he was fully one of us, he was fully human, Jesus needed to submit to, follow, and be filled by the power of the Holy Spirit. Let me explain. Although Jesus had no need for regeneration by the Spirit, he absolutely did depend on the Spirit to empower him and help him in his obedience to the Father. And so Luke writes his whole gospel with a special eye out for all of the ways that the presence and power of the Spirit was vital to Jesus' life and his ministry. In Luke chapter 3, we see Jesus is baptized by the Holy Spirit, and in this baptism, he is affirmed by the Father into his identity, into his ministry. And we see that following that event, he is immediately, quote, led by the Spirit into the wilderness for 40 days 
for a trial. And he emerges from this trial, quote, in the power of the Spirit. Where he makes his announcement at his, at his home synagogue, he says these words, the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to Jesus. Unrolling it, Jesus found a place where it was written, and Jesus proclaimed these words, the Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. And so Jesus declares that he is the one on whom the Spirit has uniquely empowered to preach good news, to bring freedom to the captives, to bring recovery of sight to the blind, and set free the oppressed. And thus begins Jesus' ministry of prophetic teaching on the kingdom, and he begins his ministry of exercising power over demons and over disease. Now, how did Jesus do all that? How did he teach with such authority? How did he speak with so much insight? How did he heal with so much power? And don't go, well, it's because he was God and play that card. That's sloppy theology. Luke would say, no, it's more than just that. It's bigger than just that. Jesus served how he served, taught how he taught, lived how he lived, endured temptation and opposition in perfect obedience to his heavenly Father through the empowering, through the leading, and through the enabling of the Holy Spirit. Jesus Christ was the most Holy Spirit man who ever lived. And because his disciples are called to shape their lives after Jesus, because his disciples are called to walk in the same love, to take up the same mission, to style our life in the very same manner as Jesus in obedience to our Heavenly Father, Jesus gives his disciples the same spirit that filled and empowered him. And so just like at Jesus' baptism, when the spirit came upon him, and, and his identity was confirmed, and he was empowered into his identity. At our salvation, the Spirit comes into us, confirming our identity as sons and daughters of God. That's Romans 8. And empowering us to live out our calling. Paul will say it like this in Titus 3, that God has poured out his Spirit on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Which means that you're not on your own trying to generate enough spiritual horsepower to get through life. You're not on your own to try to generate enough power to overcome sin, to bear fruit, or to be more like Jesus. The same power that Jesus relied on in life, you can rely on in yours. The same power that Jesus needed in death is available to you. The same power that took his stiff, dead, rigamortis limbs and got them moving again. The same power that took dead, cloudless, vacant eyes and let them see again is available to you and me and us. The same incorruptibly great power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is at work in us. 
And so every single Jesus follower has been gifted and empowered to serve in his name in the same manner Jesus was. This is part of the big idea that Paul shares in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Verse 4, Paul says, There are different kinds of spiritual gift, but the same Spirit is the source of them all. So what Paul is trying to remind us that these gifts originate from the Spirit, which means they come packed with divine purpose and divine power hardwired into them. Look at verse 5. There are different kinds of service. Service. We've been called to serve, equipped to live out our identity. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. The gifts don't look the same, of course. They manifest themselves differently. Gifted, spirit-filled people are not cookie-cutter duplicates of each other, for we have been empowered in specific ways that are tailored to how we are called to serve. Verse 6, God works in different ways, but it is the same God who does the work in all of us. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so that we can help each other. It is the one and only Spirit who distributes these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. Now, now central, because each of us has a role to play in what God is doing in the world, each of us have been empowered by the Holy Spirit to carry out that role. And no one is overlooked. Nobody got missed when the Spirit was handing out gifts. Which is why everybody gets to play in Jesus' sandbox. If you are in Christ, if you are a Christ follower, it means that God's Spirit is in you to work through you which means central that ordinary you and I and ordinary us, ordinary central carries within us God-sized potential. And that potential is unlocked through the gifts, through your gifts that the Spirit of God has tailor-made for you. And so if you leave this, these gifts, or if we leave these gifts dormant and undiscovered, you will never See or experience yourself as God intended you to be. For you will never be you without stepping into the gifts that God has given you. Maybe you can say it this way. You will never know what the mind of God has dreamed up for your life until you step into your gifts. And so spiritual gifts are God-given abilities that enable every Christ follower to serve the purposes of God in the power of God for the good of the church. And every believer has at least one. And no believer has all of them. I think you can make a case that Jesus, um, while he was on his earthly ministry, that he walked in all the gifts but similarly, the fullness of the gifts are given now to Christ's earthly body, which is the church. 
Hence, God has engineered it that, that we would need each other. And so he dispensed and dispersed power to the church through a multitude of gifts that are held by the collective community. And so a body like ours has all that we need to serve the purpose of God in the power of God. Now, there are at least 21 gifts that are outlined in the scripture, which I think are, are, are ways in which the love of God or the truth of God or the power of God get experienced by his people in tactile ways. And because these gifts are sourced by the Spirit, they are a place of guaranteed supernatural spiritual power. By that I mean something out of the ordinary happens when we start to exercise them. There's a joy and a feeling in the, in the user of the gift that is like, oh man, this is what I was wired. This is, this is part of who I am. I, I didn't even know this part of me could come alive. There's that aspect, but there's also a ministry effectiveness that is above normal because the gifting is God-given. So when I talk about these God-given abilities, these spiritual gifts, let me just be clear. I'm not talking about natural abilities. Spiritual gifts, natural abilities are different. Like six foot two, 245 pound Vladimir Guerrero Jr., his ability to crush a baseball 450 feet is a God-given ability, meaning it stems from his incredible genetics, his off-the-charts hand-eye coordination, all wrapped up in this powerhouse package. And so you could say that his home run ability has been given to him by God. Yeah, I get it. But that's not what I'm talking about. Spiritual gifts are not the same as natural abilities, like how you can drive a golf ball 300 yards. They're different. So don't confuse your spiritual gifts with those abilities that God gave you, maybe even at birth that are tied to your aptitude or your genetics, right? There are people who have incredible artistic abilities. And some people are just naturally mechanically inclined. Some people have perfect pitch. Some people have incredible memories or powerful minds. And those abilities are in, innate. Some of them are probably there since birth. You've developed them or strengthened them over time. And on top of that, atop of your natural abilities, some of you have acquired really potent skills in life. Through education or training, through experience, you've developed these proficiencies in different areas of life over time. Like some of you are really good at reading the market and investing and making money. Some of us, terrible at that. <sighs> yeah, I'm not bitter. I'm not bitter that I don't have that ability. Uh, some of you have gotten really proficient at synthesizing huge quantities of information and then you can like sum it up and communicate it to people in a way that they understand. And you got that through your hard work. Now our natural abilities and those acquired skills, they get used by God for his purposes all the time. And praise God, a whole lot of those are at play in this place today. But those are not the same as spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts are unique investments by the Spirit that are not based on personality or seniority in the church. 
They are sovereignly assigned by God to every Christ follower so that you can serve the purposes of God in the power of God for the good of our church. And so it's vital that you figure out your gifts, not just your natural abilities, not just develop your acquired skills. It's vital that you also figure out your spiritual gifts in order to experience what God has envisioned for you. And not only is it vital for you, it's vital for us. Because look what Paul says in chapter 12, verse 7 of 1 Corinthians. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Your gift is for our good. To make us stronger. To make us better. And so we're diminished if you don't exercise your gift. You could say it like this. We will never fully be we if you are not fully you. In fact, the gifts don't even become gifts until they are used for the common good. I think when Paul has this word gift in mind, the the giftings of the Spirit are not necessarily a gift to you. They're actually a gift to the broader church that the Spirit gives through you. Are you tracking with me? A spiritual gift doesn't become a gift until it starts to be used for the good of the common, for the common good of the church. And so spiritual gifts are of utmost importance of who we are and who we will become. And so, if what I am saying is true, why are churches not filled with more people serving out of their gifts? Well, there's a whole lot that could be said about that. Um, There is fear. There's uncertainty. There's theological arguments over certain gifts that happen. Sometimes we hold back from discovering or using our gifts out of laziness or out of doubt. Sometimes we've just never been invited into exercising our gift in the body for its good. There are any number of reasons why we might not discover or choose to use our gifts, but Paul is going to address a big one in 1 Corinthians 12. Look at verse 14. So the body is not one part but many. He's going to use this metaphor. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, in spite of this, it still belongs to the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, in spite of this, it still belongs to the body. I I think what's happening here is that Paul experienced in his church that people felt their gift wasn't important, that it didn't have a place in the church. And so Paul, the master of metaphor, expresses the argument like this. It's like a foot saying, Um, I'm not a hand. I don't wave real well. My penmanship is terrible. And so I don't really belong. Or it's like an eye saying, I have no idea what a piano sounds like. 
I have never heard or sung a single note of amazing grace. How could I possibly belong? Now, of course, Paul's choice of metaphor shows how absurd this thinking is, but our experience tells us that many of us have been conditioned to believe that my gift doesn't matter and so it's not really all that important whether I use it or not. Now, let me confess, as a leader of churches, as a leader of a church and who has led churches in the past, is that a lot of us have made it easy to believe this. We've made it easy for you to believe that your gift isn't really important. Because too often we've actually structured ministry around a few people working their gifts over time to create a cozy environment where you can show up and watch the Jesus show. And so church has been reduced down to a few people using the teaching gifts, a handful of people using musical gifts, and hopefully everybody else exercised the giving gift so we could pay for the whole thing. That's what passes for church. And is it any wonder why our ministry is so anemic so much of the time? We're trying to do a whole body's worth of exercise through a couple of organs. It's like we're trying to play the symphony of the Spirit's power through one or two instruments. And we're like, kind of lame. Yeah. Yeah, real lame when we play it like that. That's not the picture that Paul had in mind. That is certainly not what Jesus envisions for his people when he gifted us with his spirit. The picture that Paul gives to the church is not just one single organ, but rather a spiritual organism with many moving parts, all functioning in unison for the good of the whole body. And so the key role of leadership in a church is to exercise the gifts of leadership to encourage and equip the body to discover and grow in their gifting. And then to help direct those gifts so that they function in harmony, in line with the mission of the church, working in unison toward the vision the Spirit gives a particular body. Now to be fair to us pastors, that's way easier said than done. Um, right? Because the church is made up of of people who are all works in progress, people like you and I who are wrestling through sin, who've got messy lives, and, and so that messiness inevitably spills into gifting and using gifts. And in fact, the Corinthian church shows that we can easily start to think that not only certain gifts are not important, but that other gifts are supremely important. And on top of that, we don't, might not really know how our gift fits into our particular body. Like, for example, I have no idea what my pancreas does. Like, I don't have a clue. I know it must be important because it's there. And I have a feeling that if it went on strike and stopped working, I'd care about my pancreas a whole lot. Similarly, Every gift in the body is important for the body to become Jesus' place. And so we don't 
elevate certain gifts and we don't poo-poo and shut down other gifts. That's not how the body is supposed to function. It's all, they're all given for our common good. There's another common struggle that we have in experiencing God's power in our gifting and it's, it comes from us ignoring 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 11. After listing some of the gifts, Paul says this, all these gifts are the work of the one and same Spirit who gives them to each one as He determines. One of the biggest reasons we do not see more power of God unleashed in churches is this. We want the gifts that we want, not the gifts that God gives. You see, the flip side of a foot not thinking he's important because he's a foot, is a foot trying to be a hand because everybody knows how great hands are. You see, our pride and our innate need for for recognition and appreciation will drive us to desire those gifts that we think will deliver it. Because in our mind, our gift is about our actualization and not about the good of the church. So we want the gifts we want rather than the gift that God gives. I remember at my old church, we had this guy, good guy, gifted guy, who wanted to be a worship leader. The only problem was that he couldn't sing. I mean, that's coming from me. I sound like a Marine drill sergeant when I sing. And so I got a pretty low bar of what qualifies singing. And this guy couldn't carry a tune with a pair of vice grips, right? When he sang, it sounded like he was being tortured by ISIS. That's what it kind of sounded like when he sang. And in spite of that, they let him lead. And on one painful Sunday, he was leading worship, and I half expected Ashton Kutcher to jump out, and like, and that we were being punked, that this was some practical joke. But no, it was, it was serious. Because nobody in our church had the heart to say to the guy, look, you're a foot. It doesn't matter how much you shape yourself into an ear, you're not going to hear and you're not going to help us hear. You need to be a foot. And, and so my, my encouragement to you is don't spend your life and your ministry trying to be something God did not equip you and empower you to be. Because there's no spiritual power residing in that. Do not desire the gifts that God has not given you. Instead, what Paul says in Romans 12, verse 4, he says, just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ, we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. I would love to have time to unpack that. I don't right now. I will at a later date. According to the grace given us, if a man's gift of prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. If it's encouragement, let him encourage. If it's contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it is leadership, let him govern diligently. If it's showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. I think what Paul is trying to say is lean into the gifts that you have. 
I'm going to get Corey and the band to come up. Now, I know I've created probably way more questions about gifts than I've answered, and that's great because when we speak about gifts at some later date, probably this year, we'll probably do a bit of a deep dive into them. At some point, um, you'll, you'll be tuned to, to, to listen well and to, and to, and to pay attention, but, but let me leave you with this. Remember this central, that the gifts of the Holy Spirit are primarily about God and his work, not about you and yours. So when you are asking and praying and having conversations with other people about what your gifts might be, don't ask a self-centered question like, what can I do for God? Instead, ask the God-centered question. What does God want to do through me? If you let that question drive you, and make that subtle shift in your thinking, I'm confident that the Spirit is going to lead you into the unique role that God has cast for you to play in the story that he is writing through our church. But we will never be we if you don't live into the you the Spirit empowered you to be. Uh, I hope that at a bare minimum you are are catching a bit of a picture of, of how I envision our future as a church that to get into the future is not you guys hiring the right staff, and I hope they pull it off. Right? That, that, that's, like, that's not, we're not going to have an amazing, unforgettable, God-sized future that you're going to be reminiscing about 20 years from now if, if you sit idle spectating and hope that we get us there. Like, we're, we're, we're in this together. Right? We, we need your gifts, and your gift, spiritual gifts don't expire at 65. <laughs> right? God doesn't put you on a shelf and say, you're retired. Now watch the rest of the church trying to stumble through this and learn the lessons that you've already learned. No. The gifts are here for our common good, and you have a role to play. You've been given a shovel and a bucket to do some good stuff in Jesus' sandbox. And so we're going to need to figure this out and do this together. We want to take a moment to thank you for listening. And we invite you to join us on Sunday mornings in person or online. For more information about who we are and what's happening at the church, visit us online at centralbaptistchurch.ca. Thanks for listening to the Central Baptist Church Victoria podcast. 